this week, our edition of Real to Real, Finding Faith in Film, uh, is from Luke chapter 12, 13 through 21. Our movie is It's a Wonderful Life. We're going to talk about how we learn what really matters. Hear these words of scripture from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12, verse 13 through 21. Let's stand together as we hear these words. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he said to them, Friend, who set me to be a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Then he told them a parable. The land of a rich man produced abundantly, and he thought to himself, What should I do, for I have no place to store my crops? Then he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and all my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life is being demanded of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich toward God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Learning what really matters. What matters in life sounds like a simple question, doesn't it? But it's not so easy to answer. And it seems that all of us have to find our own answer along the way. We can be taught in both uh, church and home, through our childhood and youth and into our adulthood, what really matters. But ultimately, we come to that answer through the choices we make in our life. When I was a little boy, I had big dreams about what was going to mark my life as a life that matters. I thought if I could just be affluent enough someday to live in a brick house. Everybody I knew lived in little frame houses. I wanted to live in a brick house that had more than one bathroom. And those bathrooms would have showers, not just a big cast iron tub that you stood in line to use every day in the house I grew up in. I thought my life would really matter. I would arrive when I got to the place that I could drive a new car or a new truck. I really thought I would be someone. If I ever got to that place in my life where I didn't have to wear hand-me-down clothes anymore, clothes that someone else had worn, And boy, it'd be great to be famous. Everybody would know you matter. A famous athlete or a famous musician. I thought maybe if I became a preacher, my life would really matter. 
So after high school, I left home on my quest to find these dreams. And I attained each one of those dreams. Well, not quite. I found out real quickly I had neither the talent or the ability to be a star in anything. But otherwise, I did pretty well. Not my first house I ever bought, but my second house was a brick house with two bathrooms and showers. And I was surprised at how little that changed my life. I'm embarrassed to say that as a young man, I bought more than one new car or new truck that I couldn't afford, thinking that would change how I saw myself and how others saw me. And it's been a long time since I've worn hand-me-down clothes, but I've discovered that no matter where I buy my clothes, when it's all said and done, I still end up looking like me. And I've been a preacher more decades than I care to admit. And I hadn't saved the world yet. All those dreams were good dreams and nice dreams, and they are great blessings in my life, and I'm grateful for them every day. But none of those dreams realized answered the question for me. What is it that really matters in my life? You see, I believe we all share that quest. We're all on that same journey. And I believe that we all feel in our hearts what the great poet Mary Oliver put into words. She writes, I don't want to end up simply having visited this world. Isn't that beautiful? I don't want to end up simply having visited this world. I wish I'd written that. We want to know that somehow, to someone, our life mattered. Well, our movie is the story of a man named George Bailey. He's a good guy. A good guy growing up in a small town of Bedford Falls who has very clear ambitions and very big dreams of what will make his life matter. Let's take a look. Mary, I know what I'm going to do tomorrow and the next day and next year and the year after that. I'm shaking the dust of this crummy little town off my feet and I'm going to see the world. Italy, Greece, the Parthenon, the Colosseum. Then I'm coming back here and go to college and see what they know. And then I'm going to build things. I'm going to build airfields. I'm going to build skyscrapers a hundred stories high. I'm going to build bridges a mile long. You know, George, I wish we could send Harry to college with you. Your mother and I talked it over half the night. Mm. We have that all figured out. See, Harry will take my job in the building alone, work there for four years, and he'll go. Hmm. Pretty young for that job. Well, no younger than I was. Well, you were born older, George. How's that? I say you were born older. I suppose you've decided what you want to do when you get out of college. Oh, well, you know what I've always talked about. Build things, design new buildings, plan modern cities. All that stuff I just talked about. Still after that first million before you're 30, huh? No, I'll sell half that in cash. Of course, it's just a hope, but uh, you wouldn't consider coming back to the building alone, would you? Well, I, 
Well, Annie, why, why, why don't you draw up a chair? Then you'd be more comfortable and you could hear everything that's going on. I would if I thought I'd hear anything worth listening to. You would. I know it's soon to talk about it. No, not Pop. I, I couldn't. I, uh, I couldn't face being cooped up for the rest of my life in a shabby little office. The, no, I'm, I'm sorry, Pop. I didn't mean that. I, but I, it, it's this business of nickels and dimes and spending all your life trying to figure out how to save three cents and a length of pipe. I go crazy. I, I want to do something big and something important. You know, George, I feel that in a small way we are doing something important. George is going to travel the world. He's going to get his education, become an engineer, and build bridges and skyscrapers and airfields. He's so clear on what really matters and what make his life really matter. But then the war comes, and he is rejected in the draft. His younger brother goes, and that delays George Bailey's dreams and his plans he stays and works in the family business, that little building and loan that allows working class people in that town to own their own homes. And as the years go by and George grows older, he falls in love and marries and starts a family. He has a loving wife and four beautiful children and a home. But at the same time, he feels his dreams are never going to come true. And how all the great and wonderful and important things that he wanted to do to his life were slipping further and further and further beyond his grasp. He begins to feel frustrated and stuck and unfulfilled, to feel that his life does not matter at all. He's turned in to boring George Bailey, who will never leave that little hometown. The frustrations grow. And as they grow, he's unable to see those blessings in his own life, the people he loves and the gifts that have come to him. And then there's a crisis. The bank deposit is misplaced. And the bank examiners find them short and everything comes crashing down on George Bailey. He knows that the business will be lost, that he'll go to prison. He is so despairing that he comes to regret that he'd ever been born. Let's take a look. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Maybe, uh, maybe. maybe. I don't want any. Maybe. We've got to find that money. I've no good deal. Uncle Bailey, look, I... do you realize what's going to happen if we don't find it? Listen to me. Do you have any secret hiding place here in the house? Someplace you would have, someplace you'd hide the money. I'm over the whole house, even in rooms of the belongings of that lost Lord. Listen, listen to me. Thank, thank. I can't think anymore, George. I can't think anymore. It hurts. Where's that money? You realize what this means? It means bankruptcy and scandal and prison. That's what it means. One of us is going to jail. Well, it's not going to be me. George, what's wrong? Wrong everything, George. You call this a happy family. Why do we have to have all these kids? Dad, how do you spell frankincense? I don't know. Why, ask your mother. Where are you going? Going up to see Zeus. You told me to write a play for tomorrow.
S-R-A-N. Dad, how do you spell hallelujah? How should I know? What do you think I am? A dictionary? Tommy, stop that. Stop it. Janie, haven't you learned that silly tune yet? You play it over and over again. Now stop it. Stop it. What's the matter with everybody? Janie, go on. I told you to practice. Now go on, play. Our text from the Gospel of Luke tells of a man whose story could not have played out any differently, more differently, than the story of George Bailey. Jesus tells of a man for whom everything is playing out just as he dreamed and just as he had planned. He was rich. He had lots of land. He planted. It had bumper crops. He became richer day by day and accumulated more and more. He had so much that at some point he had to tear down all of his barns and build bigger ones so that he could keep all of his stuff close. Instead of the panic and despair that George Bailey feels, this man talks to himself about how much he's accomplished and how great his life is and how he has everything he could ever need. He has everything that really matters. Well, in our movie, God sends a gift to George Bailey. He gives him an opportunity to see what the world would be like if he had never been born. He learns that his younger brother, who became a Congressional Medal of Honor recipient in the war, would have died when he was nine because George Bailey would not have been there to save him when he fell through the ice on the pond. He learns that Mr. Gower, the town pharmacist, would have lost everything and lived in despair if there hadn't been a little delivery boy named George Bailey who caught a mistake that would have had tragic consequences when that prescription was filled. He met in this vision countless people who did not have a home and were trapped and impoverished in the slums 
of the evil Mr. Potter because he did not work at the shabby little building and loan that allowed them to have a home. He saw that the life of his wife would be very different and that his children would not be at all. And suddenly, George Bailey is transformed by the knowledge of what really matters. Let's take a look. instructed to advance you up to $25,000. Stop. Oh. Hee-haw and Merry Christmas, Sam Wainwright. telegram. Good idea, Ernie. A toast <laughs> to my big brother, George, the richest man in town.
then George Bailey becomes aware of what really mattered in his life. And he had the gift of realizing how much he mattered to other people. You see, even if his dreams did not come true, because of him, a lot of other people's dreams did come true. People had homes and were safe and secure. He was overwhelmed by the love that he had for his wife and for his children and for the building and loan and his drafty old house and his boring little hometown that all he'd ever wanted to do was leave in the rearview mirror. But most of all, he was overwhelmed by the love so many people had toward him. He had lived his whole life and never realized that he really was what his brother says, the richest man in town. He had friends and family and love and community. That's quite the opposite of the man in the story Jesus tells, isn't it? You could tell that whole story the whole story of that man's life without ever mentioning another character. Just a man and his stuff. No thought of sharing, no concern for the needs of others. He thinks he has what really matters. And he thinks that what really matters can be counted and hoarded and stored away in a barn. But Jesus says in that parable that God looks at that life, the life that the world would say has everything that really matters, and calls the man a fool. Tonight, your life, your story is over. Who cares about all this stuff now? Is this all you have to show for your life. You should have been rich toward God. We need to hear from these two stories, the rich man in Luke and George Bailey in It's a Wonderful Life, that the things that matter are things like friends and family and love and community. And we should never forget that Jesus tells us that all those things that matter should be grounded in our relationship with God. I love the language in Luke. We should be rich toward God. How in the world can we, how can somebody like me be rich toward God? We can be rich toward God by embracing the lavish gift of grace and forgiveness offered to us in Jesus Christ. We can be rich toward God by being grateful for the blessings that fill our lives, even if those blessings don't look like the dreams we dreamed or the plans we planned. We can live a life rich toward God by living into the gifts God gives each one of us for the purpose of blessing other people's lives. You see, a life that really matters is never about us. 
alone. These two men have stories that do not end the way they begin. A rich man who has nothing and a poor man who has everything. The difference is knowing what really matters. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.